Good evening and welcome to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Hunter Combs and I have a special guest in the studio this evening, uh, Philmon from Eritrea. He works with Voice of the Martyrs in South Africa and he's here to share with us tonight about um, some of his experience and his story in Eritrea. Uh, Philmon, he, um, he grew up in Eritrea and he was a believer, a follower of Christ in Eritrea and he's, he was uh, on the radio with us, I think, several months ago, just sharing a bit about his story, but he would like to come again and just uh, share with us about um, what it was like living in Eritrea as a believer, as a follower of Christ, and just so those of us here in South Africa can better understand what really uh, the church is facing in Eritrea, how we can better pray for the church in Eritrea, uh, but we're so glad to have you with us tonight, uh, Philmon. Thanks for being in the studio with us. Thanks for having me, Hunter. So why don't we just open up and just, um, why don't you just start sharing with us a bit, what, what's it like in Eritrea as a follower of Christ? In Eritrea, life as a born-again Christian, as a, any Protestant denominations are considered illegal by the government, hmm. and the government takes strict measures to measure to uh, ab- abandon the church, hmm. and it's risky, it costs your life. People end up in prison for 15, 16, and 17 years. This just, is just for being a Christian? Just for being a Christian. Wow. wow. And um, people also, uh, Christians are martyred. So far I know uh, more than 25 believers have been martyred for their faith in Christ. Wow. Were any of those friends of yours? Or Yes. They were? Yeah. Sure. So you know of 25 people personally? 25. This is, this is the thing that I know. Oh, wow. Shame. Um, so what kind of government is there in Eritrea? Is it uh, an Islamic government? Is it, uh, is it a communist government? What, yeah, what's the government look like there? The government, basically the persecution is coming from the government of its ideology, its Marxist, okay. atheist uh, government. Okay, so it's a communist it's communist government. government. Okay. So they don't want uh, any religion to have a kind of precedence in the country. Mm-hmm. They want to control every aspect of human life inside Eritrea. Sure. And Christianity uh, poses a threat to the government and mm. we're considered as a spice and anti, anti-state mm. uh, because because of our faith. Mm. That's interesting though, because isn't um, there are denominations of the Christian church allowed there as well as Islamic, like yeah. the Muslim religion is allowed in Eritrea as well. Is that right? Yeah. 50% of the population are Orthodox Christians and okay. the, 50, the rest 50% are Muslims. So if you don't practice your faith, if, if it's a Nemoli Christianity, the government is fine. He, he, mm. They can they control it systematically in a sense. Okay. Yeah, they can control the leaders and they can uh, neutralize it. Mm. But so if you get active, if you're passionate to, to God, then the government, the, the secret police comes against you. So if you're evangelistic, if you're a Christian who actually shares your faith yeah. and does what Jesus called us to do, exactly. go therefore and make disciples of all nations, then you're in trouble. Yeah. By the way, we're not allowed to carry the Bible. We're not allowed to evangelize. We're not allowed to speak our faith openly. Mm. Uh, so everything is underground. Wow. So the Orthodox Church then, are those all government controlled then? They're government controlled. Okay. Even the Orthodox Patriarch is under house arrest. He's 94 years Patriarch. He's been in prison for more than a decade. Oh, wow. Because uh, the Patriarch student said uh, the government to be away from the church affairs, and the president arrested him in Homa. So wow. they are 94 years old, imagine. Goodness, wow. So there's persecution not only on the evangelicals, there's also on yes. the Orthodox believers as well. Yes. And what about the Islamic believers? If you're a devout Muslim, will you face persecution as well? 
the same with the Muslims, the, the government has controlled them, but for those who are uh, extreme, uh, mm. kind of radical Muslims, they are arrested, but the Muslims, they are fine in the country. Oh, okay, okay. So most of the persecution isn't necessarily coming from Muslims persecuting Christians, it's actually from the, it's from the government, the Marxist sort of ideology of them trying to stamp out, control yeah. the religion in the country. Yes, the, primarily the persecution is coming from the government, but there is a society, when there is a conversion from the Muslim or from the Orthodox, there mm. is also another uh, mm. persecution coming yeah. from the society itself. Yeah, so for more from the religious structures of the Muslim families or the Christian yeah. families. If you're converting, then there's some issues. So why don't you share with us a bit what, what it was like? Uh, you mentioned having friends who actually have died for their faith. Um, the last time you talked about being in prison, maybe you can just share with us a bit more, yeah, what it was like. How did you come to Christ? How did, how did you come to faith in Christ in this context? I came to the Lord in 2001 through my brother who's uh, experienced an uh, amazing uh, transformation in his life after accepting Christ. Mm. Uh, luckily, there, the churches were open, they were allowed. Just mm. after I came to the Lord in 2002, all the Protestant churches were outlawed by the government. Oh, wow. Yeah, and uh, this is the way. Uh, and uh, and to, uh, starting from 2002, we went underground mm. and uh, churches were banned. There's no church service. Evangelism is uh, uh, um, Ill illegal, illegal, yeah. uh, and our pastors, all our pastors, were abducted. I would, I would, I would, so better to say abducted because uh, <laughs> it's not a true we, arrest. No, <laughs> yeah, there's no charge. They just come and take them. We we don't know where their whereabouts. It's been five thousand days since since their disappearance. Oh my word! Yeah. Wow. So they just come and they take them and no, oh, you broke this law or we're going to have this hearing. They just take them. Yeah, you end up in prison. You have no idea when you're going to be released. Your family are not allowed to visit you. Hmm. Uh, basic health services are not given to you. So one, my pastor, his two kidneys failed and he was released expecting him to die. And but miraculously survived. Oh, wow. So, yeah. <laughs> They're paying heavy price for the Lord, but it's a glory to suffer for the Lord is, mm. is a glory. Absolutely. And that, that sort of um, reminds me of so much of what we read in the New Testament. In the context of the New Testament, there's so much suffering that happened yeah. for those who are faithful to Christ. I mean, yeah. Paul was beaten, he was stoned to death, and he was shipwrecked, uh, he faced imprisonments. And so there's really this theology of suffering in the Bible. Yeah. But we in the West, we don't think about suffering. Suffering is, oh, man... I had a really hard day today. I didn't get my coffee this morning. And, you know, it's it's not real suffering. We face these little things or maybe even sufferings. Oh, I had a, a disagreement with a brother. And oh, and so it's it's very little. But the suffering that they face for the gospel and that you have faced for the gospel, this is real suffering. Like as the author of Hebrews says, he says, remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them and those who are mistreated since you also are in the body. So it's a, I think it's important for us here in the West, in South Africa, in the States, in other places where persecution isn't as serious, although currently it is getting more serious with these new government's um, restrictions and things um, throughout the world. <clears throat> but I think it's important for us to remember our brothers and sisters in Eritrea. In fact, in the past, you said Eritrea could also be called the North Korea of Africa. Yeah. Uh, from inside, Eritrea is called one big prison. Mm. The government controls every aspect of human life, from the age of starting from the age of sixteen. Every Eritrean is conscripted into the army, mm. and the conscription ends 
um, until the person in uh, goes to his sixties, uh, and uh, oh wow, so you're just a soldier for your entire soldier, life. And when I say soldier, with no salary, with no retirement, this kind of modern day slavery. So it's a big prison, and from outside, Eritrea is nicknamed as the North Korea of Africa. <laughs> so how, what did what did it look like then? You you got saved in 2001. In 2002, then they sort of clamped down on the church. But how did yeah. what what perspire or what happened after that sort of in your journey? Uh, I know in the past you've told me about how you had different churches and people you're discipling and these church meetings and how you'd sort of secretly go about having these meetings. But what happened then after you got saved in Eritrea? After I uh, got saved, I began to attend the homes, uh, secret home cells. Mm-hmm. So we gathered uh, in uh, private homes in group of uh, five, 10 or 15. Okay. And in one of the military colleges, in the military school that we uh, have attended, I was arrested with 11 others while we were praying together. In that camp, uh, reading the Bible, uh, praying together is not allowed. was not allowed, uh, mm. but we are sharing the Bible. We are tearing the pages of the Bible, and then if someone secretly is, are yeah, sharing. sharing one another, and we are captured at gunpoint with three soldiers, Goodness. and the three was into shipping metal container. They threatened to to kill us within a few days, but mm. the Lord intervened and saved us. Wow! And they tried to see our case after a few months. Again, the Lord intervened and miraculously uh, He delivered us. Uh, so I've been in prison in four different prisons, and mm. I've been sent to the army again to be punished, all in all around one year. Wow! So I've been into uh, shipping metal containers in underground prison cells in a, uh, a desert uh, prison. Yeah, I've mm. experienced all these things. Wow. But this is minus because I'm talking about a year prison. There are uh, p- uh, believers, a nor- normal, I'm not saying pastors, believers mm. for their faith in Christ are in, are spending their life in prison for 15 years. Mm. And they're giving their lives. Mothers are, uh, mothers are uh, martyred, leaving their uh, children with their... As orphans. Yeah, as orphans. Wow. Uh, so these things are happening. Oh, wow. So just to be a believer, like you said... You told me in the past you had a friend who's in prison now for 15 years. He yeah. was arrested around the same time you were, but you got out and he's still in prison. And you said he's not even a church leader or anything. He's just a believer, just, just a, an average believer. Hey, I, I believe in Christ. Oh, prison, 15 years. You'll never know. Maybe he'll never get it. it yeah. The very fact you, uh, to be a believer is considered to be anti, anti-state and anti-government. And they, uh, they consider... Uh, any form of evangelical Christianity as a religion of America, mm. as a, as a well, religion of, of the West. Sure. So they they feel they they feel that uh, persecuting Christians is kind kind of uh, fighting the Americans because the government is communistic, mm. and they are uh, against the West. Mm. So have you seen any sort of moves of God among these government officials or soldiers or anything else where people? who were persecuting Christians then ended up coming to faith in Christ. Yeah, that's a common experience. Oh, really? <laughs> they do. You know what happens? They persecute you. The, the guys, the prison guards, when they uh, went back to their home, either their daughter or their wife mm. happened to be a believer. And yeah, through them, there are also many uh, government officials joining the home cells. Oh, wow. So it's kind of a movement. It's called, the gospel is spreading in the country like a wildfire. Wow. Like the the famous verse that Exodus one twelve says, the more they persecuted the Israeli, mm. the more they grew. Wow. So it's a kind of opposite effect. Mm. Yeah. That's amazing. 
That's incredible. So I, I can imagine though, say you're in a, sm- a cell group, a small house church, and then one of these people try to join your church. You must have a lot of sort of suspicion about, oh, is this guy really a believer? Is he a secret? Is he a spy? And yeah. things like that. How does how does that all pan out? We're very careful. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we truly depend on the Lord mm-hmm. for discernment. But sometimes spies infiltrate the whole home cells. I have an experience back in 2008. I have uh, taught a spy for three months without knowing. Wow. Uh, you taught one, so you're discipling <laughs> yeah. a spy. What do you do then if somebody comes out, <laughs> he wants Christ, uh, he wants... Uh, yeah, of course. He becomes yeah. the Lord. Sometimes, yeah, mostly uh, you know them, but sometimes they are very they're sneaky. Good, they're good spies, yeah. Good spies. <laughs> he made all the reports. He studied where we gather, when we gather, the number of people. Uh, people attending in our place, but you know, the Lord intervened and somehow blocked his heart not to do you know, not to report to the government. Wow. I, I, I learned this fact after 10 years. Oh, wow. Sure. Yeah. So after you'd been discipling him, you didn't even know you're discipling a spy. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Sometimes the Lord intervenes and uh, uh, shuts the lion of the, the lion of the, the, the lion's the lion. mouth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. That's incredible. Yeah, so it's not, this isn't your average Western church or home group or community group. Hey, let's get together. Let's study the Bible together. Man, I can't imagine what this it must be like for you. So how did you, I mean, how are you sitting here today? I mean, you're sitting across from me, but you grew up in the North Korea of Africa. You grew up in Eritrea in this very, very strictly controlled, persecuted country. How did you end up escaping Eritrea? In 2018, there was a peace agreement between Eritrea and Ethiopia. Eritrea and Ethiopia were at war for more than two decades. Two decades. Mm. And then the border was opened for a month, and we managed to escape uh, using that chance. After I, I, I ended up in South Africa, the border again closed. Mm. Uh, so I'm, 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 thank God the Lord uh, rescued me from uh, the threats, yeah. because even before I escaped the country, the secret police chased me and three other brothers while we were having a discussion about how to reach the persecuted, uh, uh, I mean, the believers in in, in jail. Hmm. It was uh, downtown. They were chasing us in downtown. We hid ourselves in, in the suburbs. Then I learned that it was a time for me to escape. Hmm. And uh, like I, t- I, I told you earlier, and during those times, the border was opened and yeah. I managed to escape. Sure. So it's kind of a miraculous uh, exit for me. Yeah. And your wife had to escape too. She was pregnant with yeah. one of your children as well. So it wasn't exactly a very easy thing to do. And so it, it's sort of interesting to think about because at what point do you stay? Cause Paul talks about even in Philippians, he says, my desire is to stay on my desire is to be with the Lord, but also to stay with you because there's fruitful labor. So mm what sort of process of discernment and wisdom went on in your heart? Because I'm sure you thought, well, my brothers are here, my church is here, my, my family's here. Do I stay? Do I encourage and disciple them? Or do I escape? Sort of what was your process there? Exactly. So the, the Lord, uh, through the Lord's will. In 2004, I was close to the border of Sudan. Mm. And you know, in Eritrea, everybody pays to smugglers thousands of dollars to escape the country because sure. it's a big prison. Everybody yeah. <laughs> is escaping the country. Yeah. If you see the the past uh, two decades, Eritrea is one of the biggest exporters of refugees in the country. Mm. With Syria, with Afghanistan. In Afghanistan, something happens in the refugee crisis stops, but in Eritrea it continues. Mm. There was in Zimbabwe, in Iraq, 
But these things are somehow, somehow subsided in other countries. I mean, in Eritrea, consistently, is, is exporting refugees. There was no war. Hmm. Uh, people are surprised. They're just trying to get away from their government. Yeah, it's 5 million population. Hmm. Refugees are being exported because there is widespread and systematic oppressions by the government against the people. Hmm. So everybody tries to escape. I've managed to be, uh, I was right at the border in Sudan, but the Lord told me to stay. <laughs> Again, in, this is in 2006. Uh, in 2013, I, I managed because of my work for vaccination. Hmm. Uh, we went to a rural place in the bordering town of Eritrea just like 100 meters away from the border of Ethiopia in 2013. Again, the Lord told me to stay. Oh, wow. <laughs> but in 2018, it was his will. Mm. Uh, I managed to He stay. allowed you to leave. Yeah. So it depends. <laughs> sometimes Jesus avoids, uh, sometimes he was avoiding uh, a kind of persecution. persecution yeah. And sometimes... He, uh, he, then he went to the cross. He went he, to He Jerusalem. knew it was his time. Okay. Yeah, even, uh, even Thomas said, let's die with him. Yeah, okay, let's go. <laughs> it's time to die. <laughs> yeah, that is yeah. the timing of the Lord. Sure. Wow. That's incredible. So what, what are you doing here now that you're in South Africa? Um, I know you've been, you told me you've been working on a book, sort of uh, sharing a bit about your experience in Eritrea, but what do you see the Lord's role in your life now that you're in a safe context like South Africa, where there's so much freedom? What are you doing now? Uh, yeah, what's God's call for you on, yeah, your role in the body of Christ uh, with your other Eritrean brothers and sisters? I mean, I know you need to be as much as you're able to share. <laughs> yeah. So the awareness level of uh, the body of Christ here in South Africa about the persecution of Christians elsewhere is very low. Mm. So I felt it in my heart, that's my ministry, uh, to raise awareness of the church in South Africa about the persecution happening elsewhere, outside mm. of the borders of South Africa. Mm. So I'm dealing with this. I'm working with uh, the Voice of the Martyrs, which has which got the same mandate like this. We're working... Uh, to raise awareness, to support the church inside Eritrea mm -hmm. and to mobilize prayers. And now at this moment, many are uh, starting to pray about Eritrea. I'm so sure. happy. Hundreds of people are committed to pray about persecution of uh, Christians in Eritrea. Mm -hmm. It's a great thing. That's amazing. Yeah. But what, what can be done for the believers in Eritrea? I mean, our, our mission, I can't imagine many missionaries are going into Eritrea or anything like that? Is it more now we can help them from the outside, we pray for them, we try to, yeah, what, what can be done for these believers in Eritrea? Yeah, no, missionaries were expelled from Eritrea in 2002, mm. uh, so a missionary, the mission work is not allowed there, but what, 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 can we do, what we can do is that we can pray. Prayer is, prayer is powerful. Mm. Uh, when we pray, it goes up to heaven and it comes to the people in prison in a form of encouragement, mm. strength, uh, and hope, hmm. uh, as prayer is indispensable. It's very, very important. Yeah, uh, every believer should pray to the persecuted church. Hmm. The enemy always tries to uh, make us feel we are insignificant. Hmm. Uh, our prayers doesn't matter. That's a lie of the enemy. Hmm. All uh, individual believer prayer uh, avails a lot, avails much, and we can also uh, support hmm. to the church uh, inside uh, Eritrea. That's what the VOM South Africa is doing that. Mm. So uh, Voice of the Martyrs South Africa, they're is really doing trying that. to provide some support for these believers. For this, because imagine if the breadwinner is arrested and end up in prison for a decade, what would happen to the children? What would happen to the wife? Mm. So we, since we are one body, the same body of Christ, we have to care. This is the love that we have for the body of Christ is direct expression of our love for Christ. Mm. And also we can 
raise awareness. If you can invite, if, if the churches invite us, we can speak to their churches, mm. and we can raise their awareness. And mm. and I'm so happy. I'm so thankful now. Many people's eyes are open because there is deception in the in the in the free in the free world here. The test of pros- prosperity is much dangerous, much w- worse than the test of suffering, mm. uh, because yeah, you take your friend, you, you you take your freedom for granted. People are not reading the Bibles. People are not committed to prayer. People are not fellowship fellowshipping. So when they are exposed to such kind of stories, believers are motivated and. Uh, they are committed. They are committing their life to Christ. So, if they can open their doors and we can speak to their the churches, and uh, they can be revived. Sure. So, if there are opportunities, if there are people listening right now that are actually interested in learning more about Eritrea, having you come and share with their church, is that something then Voice of the Martyrs or you would be available? To yeah, do? we're available to. Listen. Okay. And how would someone uh, just get in touch and find that information? Would they just visit persecutionsa.org? Yeah. They can. Okay. Okay, so the, the website for um, for your ministry is persecutionsa.org, and yeah. you could get in touch with the ministry there and say, hey, I heard this radio broadcast in Salt and Light. I would love to have uh, Philmon come to our church and share more. Uh, I just wanted to throw that out there because, yeah, I think it's good for those listening tonight to just think about, wow, this is what's happening. This is the real issue. This is the real problem. Maybe there are things we can't necessarily discuss as openly on air, uh, but they'd really have a burden in a heart. Wow, what can I do? What can my church do? How can we raise more awareness? I think it's such a blessing to be given those opportunities that you can go and share and people can come and hear from brothers and sisters in Christ who have been in chains and we should remember them because they're brothers and sisters. They, they need the encouragement. They need the prayer. They need the support. Um, but yeah, just getting getting back to the story then. So you escaped. You're now here. You're, um, <clears throat> you're raising awareness for what's happening. Um, uh, but yeah, maybe let's just talk a bit, talk a bit more about some of these stories, some of these encounters that you had with where the Lord really intervened. Um, I know you shared so many stories where you're in house churches and the government came in and they raided you and you're able to escape. Maybe just share some more of these stories just so the listeners can get a better idea of what it's like um, for the average believer there and what, what it looks like to just follow Christ on a daily basis in Eritrea. Yeah. Every, uh, uh, gathering has got its own threat. So when you go to attend a church, there is 50-50 chance of being uh, being able to be re- to return because there are secret informants all over the country. You don't know who the secret informant is. Once you are gathered in the home cells, uh, in the middle of your prayer, the doors are broken and people are coming and taking everybody uh, out and they're throwing us into unknown prisons. Hmm. So, But the people, they are... Uh, the Lord has given us grace. Hmm. Every believer is not afraid of such of kind of threats. And persecution. Yeah. There is a uh, risk of death, hmm. the risk of being ending up in prison for decades, hmm. and yeah, imagine being thrown, being abducted for ten years. In term, the consequence on your health, about your uh, children or your wife. Hmm. But all of us, we didn't miss any meetings. This is the grace of God. When I think of it now here from South Africa, it's the grace of God equipping us, strengthening us, because we never miss meetings. Hmm. And it's part of prison and ending up in prison is part of the journey. You know, when we came to the Lord, we've almost signed a document of our prison and tests. Hmm. 
Hmm. <laughs> it's part and parcel of our faith. To suffer for the Lord is a glory. To suffer for the Lord is part of our faiths. Hmm. Because usually now what I see here in the free world is the emphasis in blessings. Yeah. Yes, the Lord is uh, the Able Lord. Bless, it's yeah. the Lord who wills to bless us. Hmm. But we have also we should have a healthy emphasis. We should be happy with the blessing and we should be happy with the suffering mm. to the Lord because the suffering has got its own promise. You know, in the Bible, in T- Timothy chapter 2, verse 12, it says, if we endure with him, we will reign with him. Mm. So some kind of reigning in the uh, future promises attached with the suffering. It's not yeah. simply being afflicted on earth. There mm. is somehow, some kind of eternal blessings coming with that one. Yeah. So unless we anchor our face with the... Uh, eternal uh, dimension, mm. then nobody can cope with the pressures of this uh, sure. suffering. That is the reason for the Eritrean Christian defying the government rates, defying the uh, risk of risk mm. of death and uh, uh, prison. It must be, oh man, it must be quite a contrast then being from Eritrea to here where the Christianity is so different in this country to Eritrea. Whereas if you're in a home cell with those believers, you know that every single person there is on fire for the Lord, willing to give their life for the Lord. Here in the South African church, you're like, where are the really solid sound biblical Christians who are willing to give their life for the gospel? And the same thing in the States. You just find so much laziness, so much lukewarm Christianity. It's, oh, yeah, well... Well, and now in the lockdown, I think it's it must be a huge stark contrast for you too, thinking, wow, how many Christians now aren't even going to church in today's day and age? Um, yeah, so yeah, what would be sort of your encouragement, your message to those believers listening? Um, f- those in this more comfortable context now, whereas you said persecution, there's a very big difference between living under persecution and living under prosperity. And I think persecution actually is better spiritually for you than living in prosperity because when we're in a context like South Africa or the States or Europe, it's almost so easy that you become lazy. You you stop praying because you're watching Netflix instead. You you stop reading your Bible because, oh, I'm just so busy with work and, oh, I don't have time to go to church. And I mean, I found it in my own life. It's, It's easy to get lukewarm and lazy and you start sort of not living this wholehearted life for Christ. So what would be your encouragement to those believers listening to this program tonight? Yeah. So one thing that we have to know is that not everybody is granted the uh, honor of suffering and dying for the Lord. Mm. Not everybody is going to die for the Lord. Yeah. But we can, we all can live uh, with the spirit of the martyrs, mm. with the spirit of martyrdom. So when we live, uh, we should not be fooled by the materialistic, and by the environment, by environment set to us by the world, so this is uh, there is uh, yeah we're we're facing many problems we're facing uh, deception of this world we're, we're bombarded with the philosophies of this world we're bombarded with entertainments and kind of uh, laziness, mm. but the, the solution comes by lifting our eyes away from where we are and then seeing the situation in countries like Eritrea. So there is. One, maybe let me let me give you let me explain what I'm saying from the Bible Habakkuk. There mm. was a prophet back in uh, Israel. His name was Habakkuk, mm. and what the things that he was looking in his country in Israel was kind of corruption, mm. uh, uh, iniquity, perversity, uh, uh, perversity. Mm. So, and then this prophet was agitated. 
Yeah. And he began he act he began to act like a a lawyer and instead of becoming a prophet he began he stood before the lord he challenged the lord all he brought all the bad things happening in the land you know what the lord said uh look among the nations watch and wonder marvelously for i am working a work in your days which you will not believe which you will not believe though it's told to you hmm. so he he thought that the lord was not working actively in his locality you know, was a look among the nations, watch and wonder marvelously. Mm. So when we began to look among the nations, mm. so outside of the border of our country, outside of the border of our church, we will perceive that the Lord is doing amazing things mm. and we can get inspiration from the persecuted church. Mm. The Lord is doing amazing things. Mothers, I remember a mother, 85 years old mother, end up in metal container, sure. they're giving up their lives. It's amazing. Yeah, children are suffering for the Lord. Uh, they, are, they are teenagers at the age of 14. They end up in prison and then they come out uh, spending t- two decades in prison. So these things will inspire your faith and mm. don't be fooled by the, uh, the comfortable the comfortable life here in the yeah. West. Amen. Well, thank you so much for being with us tonight, Philman. Uh, for those of you who want more information, again, visit persecutionsa.org. And that's uh, Voice of the Martyrs, South Africa. So please be praying for our brothers and sisters in Eritrea. If you'd like Philemon to come and speak with your church, you can also get in touch with him at persecutionsa.org. Thank you so much for joining us. Good night and God bless.